I created the Me Movement on the Mic to help people realize that your life is so special and that you need to address all aspects of your life to become the ultimate version of yourself. I'm on a mission to provide you with tools to help you build a habit that sticks with you forever so you don't have to worry about starting your fitness regime every six weeks and falling off again. I understand that life isn't just about training, going to the gym or having the best body in town, but also about great movement patterns, mindset, health and community. Join me, Sally, as I help you filter through all the health and fitness stereotypes to help you embrace yourself while still enjoying a gelato or two. Come with me while we break the cycle of non-constructive behaviors through movement, mindset, and health. Let's get this episode started. Don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Don't blame it on the good times. Blame it on the internet. Welcome, welcome today. My name is Sally and you're probably wondering why I broke out with a Michael Jackson song. And I'm going to relate it to the topic of today's podcast, which is the 10 myths that I'm going to be debunking today. Now, you're probably thinking, why are you singing it uh, to a Michael Jackson song, Blame It on the Boogie? Because in that song, he wants to blame it on all these different things, but really... The blame really lies within. And plus, I like that song. So let's let's get into these 10 myths debunked. So I've been in the industry for a long time, longer than I'd like to admit. And I've seen so many different exercise myths come and stick. You can just go to Google right now, type in a few things, and I'm sure you'll be inundated with all all the information, which is great. Like if you don't know how to do something, you just need to Google it. And if you don't know how to perform an exercise, you just go to Google and, you know, a video will populate of exactly how to do it, which is great. But the other thing is there's lots of information out there that um, that's, that's not quite right. There's lots of sales pitches out there as well. And you know what? Things change. So I'm going to take you through this today. The top 10 that's just popped up um, in my head and, and through my experiences. So let, let's, let's, let's break it down. So you decided to start exercising. And maybe it's because you caught a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and you're like, whoa, hey, I kind of remember that person, but I don't know exactly who that is. Um, it could be that you're thinking about it for some time now, but the idea was cemented in your head when you went to see your auntie and you haven't seen them for a while. And I mean, you love your family, but your auntie taps on your tummy and is like, you seem happy. Has anyone had that done before? Or something along those lines. Tapped you on the shoulder, on the butt. You know, just just those little little insecure areas that you have. You know, um, you know, you, just those areas that that just kind of turn you. Or the little love handles when someone just holds you, your partner. You're like, hey, don't touch that. So you know, you could have many reasons why that you wanted to start exercising, and that's perfectly okay. Now you've 
decided to jump onto Google because we just talked about it before. Google is awesome. And, you know, you have a look to see what's the latest exercise programs that are on offer. I mean, how hard could it be, right? You have you flick through Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. I mean, you've seen people train at the gym when you walk past because you're not really a gym person. Uh, and it looks pretty easy. Uh, so as you Google how to exercise, because that's like one of the number one searches, your face begins to feel a rush of warmth and you begin getting this slight tension in your temple. The floodgates of information begin to load and you realize you have gone for a swim, which is awesome, but you're now in the Atlantic Ocean of information alone, slightly dizzy, and with no support. I feel for you. Honestly, I really do. So let's dive into the 10, there's 10 exercise myths. I'm going to debunk them for you. Let's do this. Number one is number one because I think it's one of my favorites and I've heard it so many times before. I've actually had a trainer say it to me while I was performing it. Uh, Needless to say, I took one look at his legs and I was like, right, that's probably why you're not really good at them and that's probably why you've stopped or never began. Deadlifts are bad for your back. As I said before, this is one of my favorites, okay? Let's let's take a look at the deadlift. What is it? When you think of a deadlift, I'm pretty sure some of you are like, what is it? And some of you associate it with big, strong, probably men lifting a bar with really heavy weights, grunting. That can definitely be a confronting image. And sometimes it happens, but it's not all the time. Okay? Look, I, I even had a physiotherapist tell me, uh, to, and tell one of my clients that they shouldn't shouldn't deadlift and, and they should just stretch because they had a bad back. So why would you stretch an area when it's weaker? Why wouldn't you strengthen it? So let that marinate in your head for a while while we'll talk about a deadlift. So I want you, as you're listening to this, um, go down, maybe tie your shoelace or if you've got a pen in your hand, drop your pen and pick it up. Okay. I'll wait. You do that right now. Done it? Right. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a deadlift pattern. You have just performed a deadlift pattern. Hips drive back. Um, Spine is kind of like nice and neutral, which means in line. If you had a stick on your spine, it'll be in line. And, you know, you're bracing your belly, you're picking something up, and you're standing back up again the main driver is the hips the hips go back and then drive up as you stand up now imagine this imagine if you couldn't do that movement i mean there's some people out there who have had uh, back pain consistently i've had back pain and find that movement hard going down to tie your shoelace if you have back pain is difficult so why wouldn't be why wouldn't we strengthen that area why wouldn't we Okay, so why should you avoid a movement that you need daily? Okay, it seems a bit silly, don't you think? When people tell you to to avoid an area that you are weak in. So my question is to you, what do you do next? 
If your arm hurts when you wash dishes, do you simply just go, I'm not going to wash dishes anymore? Well, you can get you can get a dishwasher, but not everyone has a couple of hundred dollars spare to buy a dishwasher. And sometimes when you go places, there's not always a dishwasher. So, plus, you know what? You, you do have to load it and you have to take it out. So, you're not completely in the clear, you know? So, what do you do next? You strengthen that area. You practice that movement. You don't have to always put the maximum amount of weight. You have to earn the right to put weight on. You can't just rock up to a gym, pull out a bar, put on, you know, your maximum weight or your your own body weight and lift. No, that's wrong. Okay? You have to build. You have to earn your stripes. That's number one. Deadlifts are not bad for your back if you're doing them correctly. Plus, we need that movement pattern. Number two, it's best to train first thing in the morning. My second best favorite exercise myth. Here's a bit of the truth bomb for you, okay? When someone isn't really a morning person, or better yet, what happens if someone works shift work and is actually sleeping during that time? What do you do? You know, you read all their self-help books or you see something inspirational on Instagram and it's like, wow, you need to wake up at four in the morning. You need to train at this specific time. Well, it doesn't always work that way. And the phrase, the early bird gets the worm, is that is that right? What does that actually mean? Or it might be the idea that if you exercise on an empty stomach in the morning, it could come from that. You'll be losing fat. That's another kettle fish. Is it something, is it somewhat true? Is it? Is it? But not to the effect that you think it would make a massive difference, okay? Eating on an empty stomach and training. Total calorie consumption of the day and even of the week has a bigger influence than exercise in the morning. So basically, is it best to train first in the morning? Look, it depends on the individual. If you have time and you feel great, go for it. But if you're working, if you're tired, um, if you're compromising your energy levels and throughout your whole day, probably not a good idea. So you have to you have to weigh out the risk versus um, risk versus benefit or risk versus reward, and it definitely depends on you as an individual. So if you look at like if you look at it like um, if you look at it like this, okay, are you more likely to get up in the morning consistently? let's say over a year, over two years and train, or would you rather have the flexibility of, hey, I like training in the evening. <clears throat> Excuse me. It works for me. So I'm going to do that. So it really is up to the individual to train and your time management. Number three, you need to stretch before and after your workout. I don't know where this came from. Um, that you need to, you have to stretch before a warm up. But I still see people who hit the squat stretch like they go into yoga class. I mean, you're not an Olympic lifter who, maybe the Chinese team who sit there and do crazy uh, specific stretching for um, their squat or movement patterns. And you know, let me explain. Let me explain the types of stretching, okay? Stretching isn't bad or good. It's just like what, what serves you, okay? So we've got some static stretching. That's your genetic, generic hold position. Think like lifting a leg up, leg up on a seat, you know, and stretching your leg straight and holding it. Dynamic st- stretching or mobility is more joint movement and not just a stretch, okay? Um, 
And PNF stretching is like I'm stretching, but I'm pushing against something and releasing it. The pros of stretching, it feels good. Let's not deny it. After a big session or even a big walking session or gardening or cleaning, um, some people find relief. And and I like it to some degree. Could it inhibit some performance? Absolutely. For someone who's already flexible, certain types of stretching won't benefit leg day. Let's just say you're doing squats because during a squat, you have to be as stiff as possible, okay? You want to you want the, all the joints, the muscles to work together to drive up. You don't want to be as limber as a yoga instructor because you tend to relax a little, a little more and your muscles are lengthening and stretching a little bit more. So what to do next? If you're beginning to exercise, consider a specific warm-up that mimics your workout but not as intense. There's absolutely a lot of studies that have shown that specific warm-ups improve performance and reduce um, the likelihood of injury. So if you're tight and constantly stretching an area, you might be doing some damage, more damage than good. Look at the body like Lego. I love this. I love this analogy. If the opposite piece of the Lego is not working or out of place, more than then other piece, the other piece of the muscle is working double. So the other side is working double to kind of like compensate. So that could be considered as tight because it's overworking. So for example, um, if your back's always tight, consider the following. Have you been sitting a lot? Maybe you need to do work on your abdominal strengths as well as your glute. Maybe you will look at your torso as a 3D figure and hit all angles of it. So before you stretch, maybe consider a specific warm-up, you know, like if you're going to go for a run or or a walk, do some ankle kind of drills, do some um, hamstring kind of movement, do some squats and then go for it. And then after do a bit of like um, dynamic or mobility stretching, if it feels good, but don't always stretch and think that it's going to relieve your constant pain. If you have constant pain, there's probably... An instability that needs to be addressed. Number four, you need to do cardio to lose fat. Some people might have put that number one, but I'm put that, putting that number four. This is one. This one is an oldie but a goodie. Cardiovascular training—that's your heart and kind of lungs—is amazing. Uh, not only does it work your cardiovascular, your respiratory system, but most people feel amazing when they get a good sweat on. Let's not deny it. This doesn't equal a more efficient system for fat loss versus strength training. It does, however, take less time than strength training to burn the same amount of calories. Okay, so if you're going to do like a high intensity session, just say you you jump on a bike and you're going to do 20 minutes of you know high intensity bike versus 20 minutes of strength training, you won't lose uh, the same um, calories. Okay, but the goal will be a little bit different. The other thing to factor in is when increasing or including cardio into your workout is your hunger. People always think, I'm going to do cardio, I'm going to lose a little weight and it's going to be amazing. When you do high intensity um, cardio um, or training, straight after, you probably won't feel like you want to eat. But then after, you have, if you've lost that much, that many calories, 
then you're definitely gonna be hungrier. People who tend to do cardio-based exercises will expend more calories in one session than someone who, let's just say, goes for a walk. So you're gonna be hungrier. That's the kind of catch-22 that you definitely need to, to monitor and to kind of gauge. In saying this, the whole, the body has lost a lot of calories. And in doing so, you're probably gonna, yeah, definitely gonna get hungrier on the whole of it. So cardio and strength training together together would be awesome, but it doesn't solely have to be cardio to lose weight. Definitely have to look at the calories um, in your diet. Number five, your Fitbit is like super accurate. Oops, sorry. Sorry, guys, but that 500 calorie that your Fitbit indicates uh, that you're burning during a workout is probably overestimated. They've done a systematic review on the accuracy of Fitbit devices and the study found that Fitbit is a good tool. It's good. However, it overestimates results. Factors such as placement of the Fitbit and arm movement affects the results. So basically, if you're moving your arms around right and left uh, really fast and you're sitting down, that's going to calculate on the Fitbit, guys. So... Fitbit can't be as accurate as you think. Sorry, I'm going to break that one off for you. That's number five. Number six, doing sit-ups will give you a six-pack. Wow, that's such an 80s thing. I used to think good old sit-ups gave more defined abdominals. I was so focused on the number of sit-ups. I did that. I put that at the top of my list and knocked off the importance of calories. Yep, I heard that definitely before sit-ups are amazing but many people tend to use their back more rather than concentration on the abdominal contractions when performing the sit-up that's just what happens you tend to swing you tend to use momentum you use your neck um and and it's painful people also tend to pull their head as they come through i haven't even discussed momentum properly but yes i said before you use the swing to get right up there so what do you do sally i want abs what do i do if you want your abdominals to pop you need to reduce your overall body fat percentage that's calories you need to be performing more slower isolated abdominal exercises my favorite exercises are rolling out bar hangs knees up and weighted cable crunches you got to be doing that doing sit-ups doesn't give you abs you already have them and some people's abs pop out more than others sorry it's a genetic thing we're up to number seven now. Hold on tight. I know you're really keen to hear number 10. You need to exercise every day. Does anyone have time to exercise every day? People think trainers do. I don't have time to exercise every day. Firstly, yeah, I don't have time. Secondly, I have a life. I have family. I have a partner. I've got things to do. I've got to clean the house. I don't have time. I've got to do these podcasts. I've got so much stuff to do. You definitely have time to move every day. I had a chat today with a client who you know said to me I don't like exercising and I don't like doing all this stuff so how do I like it well let's start with the foundations get up and walk go and take the stairs do a mad cleaning session at home start with that make that a habit and go from there you just need to start okay you need to exercise every day. Who even says that? As I said before, number one, 
you have a life. Number two, if you're training seven days a week, 365 days a year, you're probably not training with the intensity. People that train every day need recovery and they're not they're not hitting 10 out of 10. I mean, you're not supposed to hit 10 out of 10 intensity, but you're supposed to be able to hit it and not be, you know, a 50% effort. Number three, recovery is important, not just physically, but mentally, okay? If you're burning the candles and at both, burning the ends of a candle all the time at both the ends, if that makes sense, um, how are you supposed to get better? And I guarantee that you will definitely struggle and won't be able to maintain it long term. Number eight, lifting weights makes women bulky. Oh, that just hurts my heart. Strength training and lifting weights does not make women bulky. You will gain lean muscle, okay? You will preserve your muscle, get stronger in the ligaments, get stronger overall, but it's impossible for women to gain as much muscle as men due to the lack of testosterone. That's just the way it happens. Women are always smaller than men. And in general, it is very difficult to gain muscle, even if you've been training for years, for years to increase the muscle. Increasing muscle is very small over the years. It takes time. It takes hard work. You've got to focus on your diet. And, you know, the reason why some women feel like they're a little bit more bulky is, you know, they're not looking at their food intake. Definitely. The idea that weights makes women bulky has been perpetuated by the media in the past. And it's it's still by some online businesses because they've got their own financial agenda behind it. Okay, they're selling a product. They want you to buy a weight loss shake or their program, which is purely based at home. Um, and it doesn't include any weights. But it's super important for bone health for women, um, overall strength. It's such a great, great thing that I definitely advocate for a form of exercise. You will get bulky if you increase your calorie consumption and pull on fat, whether it's men or women. Number nine, men should just do weights. I mean, um, I've trained clients where they're like, oh, we're not going to go down in the weight section because that's a guy's section. No, no. Men, basically, it depends on your own personal goal. I've seen guys just do cardio and that's cool. Um, so it depends on your personal goal and what you want to achieve uh, to do strength training or, or really it just pref- it just depends on your own preference. There's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what your own goal is. Here we go. Get excited. We're up to number 10. The more you sweat, the more you lose weight. Have you heard that before? The more you sweat, the more you lose weight. Have you seen, I think it was Rocky where he wore that um, aluminium suit and the idea for him is was to sweat, sweat, sweat. Yeah, he had to sweat because he did have to make weight because the more you sweat, you will lose weight, not fat. He's lost water. Okay, so you might lose water, okay, burn calories but if you aren't focusing on the portions or calories you consume then it won't happen i'll repeat that again if you're not focusing on the total amount of calorie consumption whether it's daily or weekly then you're not going to lose fat you might lose weight because you're sweating 
Um, you might lose weight. That's basically, if you sweat, you're losing weight, okay? It's not like you're losing fat. So those are my top 10 uh, myths debunked today. I'm going to quickly go through them. Number one was deadlifts are bad for you. Obviously, they're not. Um, number two, it's best to train first thing in the morning up to preference. Number three, you need to stretch before and after your workout. Make the warm-up specific. Make it specific, please, guys. Because I, I can't I can't keep seeing people who just keep stretching and, and get worried about injury. Number four, you need to do cardio to lose fat. No, calories matter. Um, number five, your Fitbit is accurate. Sorry, break your heart with that one. It is not. But it's also it's good to have, okay? Number six, doing sit-ups will give you a six-pack. Calories definitely matter with that one and the specific type of abdominal work too. And some people, some people's abs pop more than others. You need to exercise every day. You don't. Lifting weights makes you bulky. Women bulky. No, you got to be eating more. Men should do weights. It's up to them. Number 10, the more you sweat, the more you lose weight. You lose water, but you will not be losing fat. Well, I hope this ride that I took you on was a little bit educational, a little bit entertaining. And I hope that when you decide to jump on the bandwagon of your health and fitness journey, it, it doesn't seem too intense. I hope I hope this helps you. And, you know, I wish you all the best on your journey. If you need any help, guys, please shout out. Send me a, a, a message on Instagram or Facebook at me.movement. Um, and I'll definitely give you some recommendations or a little bit of guidance to something. But on that note, don't listen to everything or read and, and, and do your own due diligence and you will definitely succeed. My name is Sally. Thank you for listening to this episode. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to my episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it will be greatly appreciated if you have a spare 60 seconds to put a review on this podcast. It would mean so much, especially to a small business. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I'll see you soon. Bye.